Hello. Thank you for tuning in to the local DMV Business and Leisure podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in today. I'm really excited for our guest today. As you know, here at the local DMV Business and Leisure podcast, our focus is highlighting awesome consultants, coaches, fun events, arts and artists um, for our audience so we can help provide you with insight and tools and information for your life. So that's our goal here. Thank you for tuning in. And today we have a wonderful lady who's going to give you some great insight in general from coaching perspective and for closing out 2020. I'm very excited for all that she has to say and all that you'll hopefully leave this podcast with as you think about the end of 2020 and 2021. Vicki Snyder at Infinite Quest Life Strategies gives people the tools to simplify and break down life challenges to overcome your overwhelm your way. Tailoring problem-solving strategies and creating each client's individualized framework to change their lives. Vicki teaches people how to gain a new perspective and prioritize and organize even in times of chaos by helping them create order, focus, and purpose. Combining her decades of experience in education and corporate training, Vicki's coaching goals aim to provide actionable strategies that suit both the learning style and the preferred method of action for each client. I know that at this time of the year and where we are, this is going to be some great information. I find every time I talk to Vicki, she has she gives me a new perspective. So I'm so excited to share Vicki and her story and her insight with you today. Hi, right, Vicki. Thank you for coming today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you as always. And Vicki, you have an interesting background. You help a lot of people, which is really what drew to me. And you really care. One of the things that jumped out of me was you have expertise in art. And I, who would think art would combine with coaching? But it does. And I, particularly in your approach. How, so can you share how your expertise in art manifest in your work with clients what are some of your artistic endeavors that you've had either in previous careers or currently and how does that influence your personal and professional endeavors oh art art is life and i can tell you that everything from teaching arts and crafts to three four and five year olds for years probably more than a thousand students all the way to my corporate logo design or my painting or my sculpting or any of the artistic endeavors that i had that were either for fun or part of my education, all added up to how I see things with a different perspective. My favorite artistic endeavor, however, is a little bit unusual. I am an Etch-a-Sketch artist, to the point where I've actually been hired to do Etch-a-Sketch art at conventions and things where they were talking about innovation and different ways to think about things. I love that people look at an Etch-a-Sketch and think, I can only do straight lines. How can you do that? The temporary nature of the art is something that I enjoy very much. In its being a temporary form of art where you shake the Etch-a-Sketch when you're done, it's also a permanent form of art in that when you're doing a drawing on an Etch-a-Sketch, you can't make a mistake and erase it unless you really you want to start over again. Much like life, when you're doing a big picture on an Etch-a-Sketch, whether it's a landscape or a portrait, you have to incorporate your mistakes into the final product to avoid having to start all over again. Much like life, all of your little mistakes that you fixed along the way to get to the final product of what you are is just like an Etch-a-Sketch drawing. People would look at these elaborate landscapes and pictures that I made. They never see the little mistakes that I had to incorporate into it and make it work. They just see the big picture and my accomplishment. And I try to get people to look at their life like an Etch-a-Sketch drawing. You make accommodations for every little mistake you make along the way and make it work in nature. That's what people will see. Only you know the little things you had to overcome in the background. Oh, that's beautiful. 
Portraits and sculpting is your sculptures anywhere we can see them? Do you sell them online? I will say that the largest owner of my sculpting collection is my mother. <laughs> because oh. most of the sculpting that I did was really for fun. And a lot of times when I was in the mood to sculpt something, you think about your favorite people and you think about the things that they love, what they collect or what they find interesting. So most of my sculptures were given as gifts to people and they were probably representations of an animal that they collected or one of their favorite things. Unless my mom's going to open up the Vicki Schneider showroom, <laughs> my sculptures probably will remain in private collections. I will take that answer. Private they're in private conservatory. I think that's what they would say in the art world. <laughs> private conservatory? Yes. And so we got to talk briefly. It's something really fast. Where your experience is being a clown, but I enjoy you and I find you as somewhat educational and enjoyable. So I guess the clown thing kind of makes sense in the sense that you have a way of entertaining, but you're also impactful. And so how did you land such an opportunity to be a clown? And was it as much fun as we think it is, us laymen, and being a clown, or is it a lot of work? Well, it's just like anything else. It, it's got a good balance to it. The background and how I came to it many years ago, my children are all in their 30s now, but when they were small, you know, you do the birthday party circuit, and you see a lot of children's entertainment, good and bad. They're all doing their best, but let's face it, some people have more talent and training than others, and I remembered looking at some of the entertainment that was happening and thinking to myself, just like you were thinking, gosh, that looks like fun, but I really want to learn to do it right. So the way that I do things is I found someone in the area that I felt were the best in the business and I approached them and I asked how to get training and how to be as good as they are at what they do. And I was surprised and delighted that they took me under their wing and they trained me and got me started in the business. What most people don't realize is a lot of people don't just decide to become a children's entertainer and go out there and do shows. It's a Clowning is a serious business. I joined the World Clown Association and actually became an officer in my chapter and did a lot to elevate the craft for everyone from the clowns that volunteer their time at hospitals all the way to the clowns that you see in big stage shows. The wonderful things that I gained from it were learning how to control an audience, and I can tell you in corporate training, People who are on their cell phones and laptops trying to keep their attention is very much like 200 kids on sugar and cake. It's the same skills to keep an audience. How to make things interesting and exciting. So the answer to your question, is it fun? Yes, it definitely is. When you're on stage and you're, you have command of an entire audience and everyone has to look at you and listen to you, I know for some people that's their nightmare, but for me that's a dream come true. But the hard part of it is, what goes on behind the scenes? If you take a really good look at a very professional, polished looking clown, it takes a very long time to look that way. And rehearsing things that look like they're spontaneous on stage, but actually are very rehearsed and deliberate, that takes a lot of practice too. I will say that I loved the part of being a clown where I was in front of children and ended up doing comedy magic show a lot of the time is what led me into education. I spent those weekends making children laugh and learning things and being funny and having a great time. And then during the week, I would think, gosh, I would love to be doing this with children every day. I went back to school and I got my teaching degree and I spent years as a classroom teacher and a school administrator and then a corporate trainer taking all of those skills, education, teaching a class. It's all a performance. And I think that I, I take those skills that I got from my fun days of being a clown and utilize it to this day when I'm doing a seminar or I'm trying to keep people's attention on things that are good for them. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, there are many times people who are parents that may listen. Do you have any tips for finding good entertainment for a child's party? Are there two or three things we should look for in getting a clown or Barney or whoever may be coming to entertain the children at a party? This sounds so very simple. Referrals are the best way to go. There are, as I said in the beginning, one of the things that drew me into children's entertainment was looking at people who were doing it, the good and the bad. Sometimes people who aren't doing something well are also an inspiration for those of us because you say, gosh, I want to do a better job than that. They still provide a good inspiration for us. There are a lot of people out there, and I, God bless them, they're trying. They just decide they're going to do this without the training and the preparation that I talked about. So you want to see who had entertainment that they thought was great. And sometimes if you call those great people and maybe they're booked or they're too expensive, I can tell you that good entertainers will always recommend other good entertainers. If you can't get a referral from your friend or someone you know or from somewhere you saw an entertainer, go to the people that are doing a good job and even ask them if there's someone that's available or maybe even more in your price range that they would recommend does a wonderful job. It's amazing how many people in the entertainment business are so generous that way. They all want to support each other. And if they have a friend or someone in the business who's also doing a good job, get those referrals from people you already know what they're doing. That's awesome. Thank you for that tip. Really inspiring to hear what you, how you parlay your interest or ability to entertain into education. I think that's important to encourage young people in, in education. What has been your journey of awesomeness? I see in your background project management, clown, being a clown and art and how does that kind of all tie together for your current endeavors it seems like you hinted at it a little bit being able to entertain keep focused and looking through the lens of you know mistakes can be incorporated if you could elaborate a little bit on that that'd be great. I, I would love to i want to start by saying that in my case as well as everyone's cases we are a sum of our parts those of us that have had very eclectic backgrounds it all is a part of who we are now as far as the coaching and the life strategy goes, I've always had a passion for guiding people through their overwhelming situations. My friends and family will attest to my knack for helping them gain perspective and plan out their actions. My eclectic career history, the common thread in everything I've done has been supporting others in one way or another, even with the clowning, making it an educational magic show kind of a thing, always supporting and teaching others. Even if it was not in my initial job description with everything I've ever done, I've always ended up making coaching and training people part of what I do, often to the point where in some of my jobs, the organization has made it a part of my job because it was something I was doing well for the organization. As you discussed my career path, including but not limited to being a genealogical researcher, the freelance artwork, the classroom teacher, school administrator, I owned a game store and tournament center, I was a live event web facilitator and finally a corporate trainer. All of those things provided wonderful experiences to add up to who I am today, my feel for people and what keeps them engaged and what helps them learn and what helps them best follow their path, tailoring it to them. I have a unique blend of different perspectives on people, problems, and solutions that this vast uh, bucket of experience helps me with. It helps me help my clients break away from the frustration of one-size-fits-all solutions because not only do they need individualized solutions, I've seen lots of different ways to do things from all the different ways that I've interacted with clients and people over the years. That's great. And, that's, and additionally, Vicki has a lot of advanced education as well. So you have all these great work and formal experiences, but you've also had the traditional 
education and training as well. So I think it's a nice blend. You get the best of both worlds, a wealth of experience and education in talking to Vicki. Would you not agree? It, it really makes me happy that I don't feel that anything in my, my career path or in my education was wasted. And again, that's something that I work with with my clients. A lot of times they're like, oh, I have a degree in art history. A lot of good that's doing me working at XYZ company. There are things that we learn in everything that we do that we can bring to our current situation that that's a positive thing. Sometimes we don't even know the things that we learned from our past experiences. Acknowledging them and bringing them to what we do is important. It also, it, it recognizes your own value and the hard work that you've done. It doesn't go to waste. You're just not realizing how you're using your successes. And I think you're, you're just not staying it, Vicki, but you're living it, which is the key point. You posted an article that had my interest. It was called The Entrepreneurship Track. If you'd be so kind to share the main point from that article, and then the question that came up as I read it, is there such a thing as a corporate professional track? Because many people don't own their own business. Just ask the question. And another reason I ask it is, is there's been a lot of articles most recently because of the pandemic. Almost a million women have had to opt out of the workforce. All of those things converge for me. Is there a profess- corporate professional track? And also I think about some of the women, Not I don't know if they were trapped per se, but I think more of the pandemic, have had to leave their jobs. If you could expound on that and talk about the corporate professional aspect, that would be great. I, I thank you so much for asking about that. Uh, the first thing that you asked about and that I would love to address because it's a great way to set the stage is to talk about the entrepreneur trap. The reasons that many of us go into entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, whatever you want to call it, having our own business is because there are things that we don't like about working for someone else or working for a company. Our purposes for going into entrepreneurship are often things like, I want to make my own hours. I don't want to work with people I don't like. I want to go on vacation when I want to go on vacation. I want to get off work early enough to go to my son's baseball game. All of those kinds of things that were your reason for becoming an entrepreneur sound wonderful and it's our goal. The problem is, You start your own business and you immediately fall into the entrepreneur trap. The entrepreneur trap is when you end up doing exactly the opposite of the reasons why you became an entrepreneur. You're the sole responsibility for the entire company. So those hours that you decided you were going to work that were shorter and that would allow you to have a weekend to go to your son's baseball game, you're now working even longer than that because the buck stops with you. You're not taking those vacations because you can't envision how someone could take over for a week for you because you're the only one doing the job or you're in a very small company. And sure enough, those people that you didn't want to work with because you're the boss, you you feel pressured to not turn away business. So you're working with even more people that are the kind of people you didn't want to work with. And that's where you fall into the entrepreneur trap. I, I will say the first and most important step that I do with people who have fallen into that trap is getting them to acknowledge it. And many of us are really good at goal setting. We've got goals. Oh boy, do we have goals. The problem is stopping acknowledging when we reach those goals, enjoying the fruits of accomplishing a goal, and then moving up to the next level with goal. The problem is we get so wrapped up in the day-to-day with being an entrepreneur that we miss all those other steps after setting those amazing goals. Your next question, I will say I'm very happy. You're the first person to ask it, and it's a great question. Is this transferable? Is there a corporate trap? Sure there is. Now, of course, as you said, you don't have complete control over your life when you work for someone else or for when you work for another company. You do have control over guiding how you handle the position you're in. 
not falling into the corporate trap is finding ways to step up and acknowledge when your job has become something that it was not re represented to you when you were hired. Ways to work more efficiently so that you're not your own worst enemy when it comes to how long it's taking you to do your job, recognizing you're going to follow the things that your company has set, set forth as procedures, but not finding ways to make things take longer or be more difficult for you. There are ways that we can lose sight of the forest for the trees when we're in the weeds with a job, and that happens just as much in the corporate world as it does with the entrepreneurs. Unfortunately for the corporate world, though, they don't have as much control over getting out of the trap as the entrepreneur does. But I hate to see so many people wanting to live their dream and then kind of shooting themselves in the foot <laughs> by letting their goals fall by the wayside and not recognizing when they're making their life exactly what they were trying to avoid. Well, thank you so much. I guess the numbers have me so sad about the, the women who have had to leave the workforce or, or moms in juggling the corporate job, home education, taking care of home, all of that during the pandemic. Your process and your, I guess, patent strategy and approach, would, would that be able to help someone in this current situation? Do Are you taking on those types of clients that out is, of curiosity? Absolutely like a brand of overwhelm that you have identified there. That is one of my favorite things to deal with. I will say, notice I said one of my favorite things to deal with, because if I said it was one of my favorite things, ew, why would I say that? But it is one of my favorite things to deal with because people are capable of so much more than they realize. And when you're put to the test and when the challenge comes to you, you have to make it so that the overwhelm, for a lot of people, having to work from home and having their children at home, they're different types of overwhelm. That's the tsunami. I break overwhelm down into three things. The tsunami is when life seems to be going okay. Something just knocks you off your feet. For a lot of people, this situation is the tsunami. I think that what, what people need to realize and get support with is they have the tools to do it. It's not letting the overwhelm and the situation, the fear of what's going on, hold you back from doing your best and going forward. I can guarantee that when this is over a few years from now, a lot of these wonderful, strong, willful women that have been put into these situations that look impossible from where we are right now, they're going to look back on it and go, I don't know how I did that, but I did it. I did it. My kids were educated. I managed to work through my job from home. We managed to keep a roof over our heads and we were fed and we actually had memories from that time. It takes work, it takes really a different perspective like we talked about with the art. You have to look at things from a different perspective to find the way through. And I love helping people flip it, get a new perspective, and find the ways that you have to prioritize differently to make a life like that work. It reminds me of people who were in a two-parent household and they had a two-parent schedule for three kids. Someone goes on a business trip and one person is left behind with a two-person schedule. It's not helpful when their friends say, there are lots of single parents, lots of people do this. Sure they do, because they've created a one-person schedule, not a two-person schedule that they're trying to do. Adapting for things like the pandemic is much like realizing you no longer have all of the same resources, so you need to have a different plan. You approach things differently. And sometimes you look at it just go, oh gosh, like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, you put your hands up on your face and you yell, ah! you have no idea what to do. This is where I like to help people step back, take a good look at it, get a different perspective, and then plan their way through. Because they can do it. They just need to know they can do it. And thank you for saying that. I hope those who are moms, and I'm sure some dads as well, 
that are dealing with it. I, the, the numbers about the women were pretty astounding. They, they could reach out to you and you definitely have a plan and an approach for that. So thank you for sharing that, Vicki. As I noticed, organization seems to be a skill of yours from all the wonderful accolades that you've gotten related to project management. Does that help you when working with your clients and this organization, this organizational skills, critical or cornerstones to how you help clients acquire and and get it, get their wrangle, their overwhelm? It's a, it's a really good question. And it's one that I, I will admit, I had to tone down the project management side of me a little bit when I was working with individual clients, because my process is very much like treating your life like a project. You notice that in many of my literature and things that we've talked about in the past, I've talked about your strategic framework for success. Anyone in project management is giggling now when I'm talking about a framework because that's, that's exactly what I do. Except that, like we said before, one size fits all doesn't work for everyone. So what we need to do is we need to come up with a strategy. It would be great if someone would come to me with one problem and I would help them solve it and send them on their way. But then they need to come back to me for six months later for their next problem. That's not what I like to do. That's not what the educator and the corporate trainer and the project manager in me wants to do. What I want to do is using their current situation as a model, as we work through that one thing, it's a model for how they're going to work through all of their overwhelm and the situations that hit them in the future. We're using that one thing that I walk through with them to set up their framework that they can plug their next thing into. Sure, it's a framework and it's a system, but it's their system. It's the way that they work. An example for that would be sometimes you need an accountability partner. We all let things drop if someone's not riding us sometimes. You find out what type are they? Are you a type A where you want your coach to call you every morning and say, hey, remember this is what you were gonna do today. Let me know how it goes. I will tell you personally, I'm not a type A. If someone called me right after my alarm went off in the morning, I would wanna hunt them down. I'm not a morning person, don't do that to me. A type B would be someone who wants to check in and send their coach maybe a text every day and say, I'm doing what we said, here's where we are, I'm so excited, I'm on it. Then there are people who are very organized or who take that framework seriously enough that they'll do the day-to-day -day by themselves and then once a week when they catch up with an accountability partner, they go over what they're doing and make the plan for the week. This is how structured it is, but also how flexible it is for the actual style, the working style of each person that we're putting together a framework for. What you're saying is we need structure. And I think that's what you're also trying to bring, but you're in a, in a customized way. Yeah, and you know, way. structure, when it's tailored to you, is comfort. It's not restrictive. When someone else's structure is being forced on you, that's when we rebel. When the structure that's created is created just for you, based on how you work and what you need and what your goals are, it's a comfort within which you can function rather than a restriction. As you mentioned, coming at it from a very uh, strict construction of project management can be a bit scary, but describing it as adding that extra description is so helpful because I think it does it does sound a lot better. It's like a warm cup of tea at the end of the day. Well, another example of that is something that I like to do. When you go on vacation, sometimes before you leave, you're running around the house, oh, not that bathing suit, not those socks, where are my earbuds? And you throw things all around the house and you have this great vacation and then you come home and your house looked like it was ransacked by burglars. How does that feel when you walk into the mess that you left before you went on vacation? I always take a little extra time before I leave the house to make my bed, put some stuff away. When I walk into my house when I come home from vacation, I feel like I'm in my next hotel room. And I don't lose all of that 
comfort and all of that relaxation that I had by walking into my own mess when I come back to reality. Coming back to reality stinks enough. You don't want to make it worse by coming back to your mess. So those kind of comforts that you set your environment for success, that's one of those kinds of things. Here is the heart of what we're here to address today. 2020 has been an interesting year and it's had ups and downs for many. And as I think about these next couple of months, I'm excited to have you on. We want to discuss how to really end strong and, and be excited about what the next year brings. If you could talk about three ways sharing with us about how to close 2020 in a positive success, in a positive way to ultimately support future success. Well, it's very easy in a year like this where our normal challenges and our normal overwhelm are kind of layered on top of each other. It's important. I got three steps here to help you kind of pull it out for the end of 2020 and get yourself started for a good 2021. You want to first, number one, acknowledge and list your successes and blessings. I know it's really easy to focus on the other things right now. You focus on your successes and blessings, and yeah, don't just sit there with a cup of tea and think about them. List them out, post them up somewhere so that you see your successes and your blessings, because that's what your life is really about, which takes us to number two. Those successes and those blessings, that's your purpose. Keep that in mind as you go through the year and everything that you do and everything that you plan and all of your goals and all of your actions are in benefit of or because of those benefits and successes. The third thing builds on both of those two because we're already trying to keep all the bad stuff out of our heads, focus on the successes and blessings because we've got two months left of this year. There are wonderful things that we can have, have happen. You want to realize that for most people, realize that your worst case scenario is nearly always exactly where you are. I want people to think about that for a minute. Your worst case scenario is nearly always exactly where you are. So the risks that you fear from taking an action aren't really there if your worst case scenario is where you already are. And your only direction from your worst case scenario is up. So at the end of the year here, keeping your successes and blessings in mind and using them as your purpose, what's driving you, realize that for nearly all of us, the only direction we can go is up. You just have to move. I have a question, Dickie. With, not, with that second point, is it possible your purpose may redirect you in a new direction? I guess I just want to put that warning out there because I think people have a sense of who they believe they are. But I'm thinking, number one, may change or mold that in a slightly different well, direction. Well, when I look at my successes and my blessings, my successes are nice. I like to be humble about things, as, as is my nature. My blessings are what really lights the fire in my belly. I will tell you that five years ago, my life was very different than it is today because in the last five years, I have gotten six grandchildren. Talk about a blessing and a purpose. <laughs> That's part of the reason why my life took a new direction is I envision a life for myself where I not only can help people and do what I want to do and take control of my, my, my life and my career, I want to do it in a way that I can be there and be a good grandmother and a really integral part of my family and support them and enjoy all that comes from my six favorite new blessings that I've gotten in the last five years. And there will be things like that in other people's lives that will take them in a different direction. Times new things, new wonderful things that come into your life really make you reassess where you are, what you want to do, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. And I just, I only ask that because sometimes we 
those of us who are planners may very much want to strictly adhere. And I'm like, once you revisit and look at number one, it may be a new direction. You may be going from becoming an accountant to a baker or something to that effect. And I want well, the I, audience to be I, okay I love that, that you brought it up and I love that you brought it up that way because one of the things that I deal with when people are overwhelmed and they feel trapped in something is the mindset of, I have invested so much time and energy into this one thing. I can't afford to dump it for something else. And I liken it to putting more and more and more and more money into your old car that you've been told is a lost cause. If you bought a new car, in the long run, you'd end up spending less money and having a better experience in your life. Just because we've invested in something and we planned for it and we thought it was what we were going to do, sometimes we're trapping ourselves in our worst case scenario because it's not what's best for us. Sometimes you've got to hold your nose and jump off the high dive because it's uh, really refreshing once you hit the pool and realize there are other options. And thank you for saying that, Vicki. I think that was a very impactful statement and that made me think as well. So I think the audience really appreciated that. Vicki, we want to get the inside scoop of what is Vicki doing to manage her own holiday overwhelm? What are your tips and tricks? That, if, oh, if sure. you're willing there, are, to share, there are a couple of things. Um, a lot of what I do during the holidays, I, I feel very badly for people that actually get overstressed because of the wonderful things that are coming up. A very wise friend of mine once told me, no one's going to remember if the blue towels were in the blue bathroom. That sounds like a simple thing, but if you make it about everything, remember that when you're trying to get together and have wonderful times with your friends and your family and you're trying to do holiday things, you have to actually be a part of it and enjoy it and not make it your mission to provide perfection for everyone else. So what I do, and if I can put it as succinctly as possible, once the doorbell rings at my house on the holidays and the first guest walks in, I become a guest at my own party. I don't want to be in the kitchen the whole time and miss out on the conversation and the fun. If that means that at dessert time someone says, oh my gosh, there were rolls in the oven. We forgot the rolls. So be it. I was still at the table hearing the jokes, laughing, watching the kids eating food for the first time and all those fun things. Not missing the moment is what's the most important. I mean, that's what it's all about. Another thing with being in the moment and enjoying it, years ago, my daughter was a ballerina. A lot of ballet uh, recitals happened. One of the moms that was in the audience with me was obsessed with capturing every moment of her daughter's success. And yes, she's a wonderful little dancer. So for the entire performance, the mom had the video camera up in front of her face and did not miss a second of the performance and was very proud of herself for documenting the entire recital in a beautiful way. At the end of the recital, her daughter came up to her and said, Mommy, where were you? I looked everywhere for your face in the audience and I didn't see you. So she had kind of taken away her own enjoyment and her daughter missed seeing her face and her expressions and her support because she was so obsessed with, with documenting it rather than living and enjoying the moment and making sure that she was enjoying it along with her daughter. And I look at the holidays that way. I don't want to be so hung up with posed pictures with everyone or the perfect hors d'oeuvre coming out at just the right time. Get in there and be a guest at your own party so that you can enjoy it and they can enjoy you. That's what it's for. Thank you, Vicki. That's going to help a lot of people. 
That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like yeah, I want to host a party now. When the table that. and you hear someone say, <laughs> "Oh no," and you realize you have to put one of the hors d'oeuvres away because the cat licked everyone. You know what? Just move on. <laughs> it's part of the party. It makes for a good story. Don't be all upset like that. one thing. With your favorite hors d'oeuvre was not something everyone got to enjoy. You've now got a good story for years to come about the cat's participation on the hors d'oeuvre table. And most importantly, the cat at least it, it had the he's, had the cat enjoyed it. So <laughs> exactly, a couple of fun yet controversial questions. Wawa or Seven Eleven? Seven Eleven is very convenient. But if you've ever had sandwiches, macaroni and cheese, soup, or any of the wonderful things that Wawa provides through its deli department, then there's no question, Wawa hands down. Is there anything particular you recommend people get from Wawa? Well, this, this year time of year, I do have a lot of friends that swear by their gobbler sandwich that comes up around the holidays. I myself am not a gobbler fan, but so many of my friends like it. I must be missing something. My favorite thing, strangely enough, I love all kinds of different hoagies. They make the best turkey hoagies around. I just love their turkey hoagies, and that's one of my comfort foods. If I go to Wawa and grab a turkey hoagie and a small macaroni and cheese, I can pretty much forget whatever was bothering me. <laughs> I like that. That sounds like a great tip to get through a stressful day. With that being said, quickly, oh, coffee, I'm going to have to say none of nothing. the above because I, I need my caffeine. And hopefully when I grow up someday, I'll actually like coffee. I'm a diet soda junkie. And that's one of the things that I need to work on. Unfortunately, during this time of year, Coca-Cola has stopped some of its it's a production of some of its specialty flavors. So that ginger lime and cherry zero, they're disappearing from the shelves and I'm drinking regular Diet Coke, but that's my morning fuel. Once again, I wanna thank you again for being here on the show. We really appreciate it. You shared a lot of great information. I think people are now gonna end 2020 strong and they're excited about 2021. So with that being said, where can we catch you at online or social distancing event or book launch? What, what, what well, magical thing will you be doing next? Life coaching is something that already translated very well to Zoom calls and online. I'm not missing a lot of live events because my folks, if you're already overwhelmed, sitting at your computer or your phone in your PJs is a really good way to go. You can find me, if you can remember the name Infinite Quests, you can find me just about anywhere because infinitequests.com is where you'll find me. It's plural. On Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Twitter, I'm Infinite Quests everywhere. <laughs> so you can find me there. And my newest endeavor that you can find me at is on Meetup. So you can find my Meetup. It's a weekly free coaching session that I think I mentioned before. That's my consistent thing that's open to the public. And of course, you're always welcome to talk with me in private. My, my weekly coaching uh, Meetup group is my favorite new thing and where people can pop in and not just get some some coaching hints and some actionable strategies to take with them every week, but to spend some time with me like we did here today, the two of us, and learn about me, my approach, how I handle things, and whether we are a good fit to help you overcome your overwhelm. Thank you so much. So oh, that's what Fridays day week at 12 noon. So here on the East Coast, that's our, that's our lunch hour, our lunch power hour on Fridays. And it's every Friday. And uh, I have a, li a link on um, my, my websites and everywhere for getting to that meetup group. Well, once again, I'm going to thank you. This has been awesome. So now we have somewhere to hang out with and be supported and really encouraged every Friday at noon. So thank you so much for sharing that, Vicki. Most importantly, thank you for being here. Thank you for helping everyone, particularly everyone who's going through these challenges and helping us close 2020 strong. And thank you so much. Like I said, always a pleasure talking to you. 
we've still got time. We can end 2020 on a high note and be positive. It's all uphill from here. <laughs> I agree, and I love I love your positive approach, and that's what I've been trying to keep through this process. So once again, I'm gonna thank our guest Vicky. Please join her meetup on Friday at noon. I think it'll be that with lunch will be so energizing. You'll, you'll have a wonderful rest of your Friday, wonderful rest of the day on Friday. And also, once again, you can follow us, uh, DMV Business Leisure Podcast on Instagram. And also, we'll post Vicky's information uh, very shortly on our website, localandstrategic.com. So once again, DMV Business Leisure Podcast on Instagram. And we'll be posting her information. And check out Vicky every Friday at noon. And I guarantee the rest of your Friday is going to be awesome after you join our awesome meeting. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you audience. so much. I really appreciate and, um, it. And thank you, Vicky. For the folks that joined us and listened in today, if you go to my website or any of those places we mentioned, I also have a free overwhelm audit that you can start all by yourself to see to get a, get a head start on overcoming your overwhelm and planning for the new year. Oh, thank you. And I love that. That is so timely and appropriate. So once thank again, you. thank you so much again, Vicky.